Well, hello world. It's time for another edition of Something to Talk About. Not that we haven't been sequestered for the last eight weeks and had plenty to talk about, but mostly to ourselves or to our significant others. But uh, I welcome you back to the show. Uh, I think we're going to have a little bit of fun today because not only is my co-host Vaughn Loic right there. <laughs> hey, hey Vaughn. But we even have a, a guest a guest star with us. We have got Coach Larry Catuzzi, who is joining the show with us this morning. And Coach, are you there? Where did Coach go? Where did Coach go? <laughs> there goes your pool boy <laughs> into the shot. Where did Coach go? Well, we I, we saw him saw him for a second there, but we'll try and reconnect and get. Uh, Coach okay, back, uh, we'll get started. I, yeah, he was there. He was right he, down there. <laughs> yeah, he was, so we'll, he was right, right there. Yeah. You know? So we'll, he's going to join us. He's going to join us today. Um, having a little bit of technical di difficulties down there in Houston. He's in Houston. You and I are in Frisco. Um, but we're going to get him. We're going to get him back on oh, here. Gosh, there he is. Uh, there he is. There he is. I I got all A's, Stuart, in. All of my classes, except mechanical thinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Me too. That, well, that, that's where a teenager comes in handy. <laughs> you yes. bet. Not even, not even a teenager. Elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we're all together now. We've got Dad yeah. and Coach Larry Catuzzi in Houston. And like I said, you and I in Frisco. And so... Um, I don't know, Stuart, you want to tell everybody what we're going to be? Well, you know, we, we, we've just been, you know, I mean, every week what we've been kind of doing is going through updates of, of what everyone is doing and uh, at home and, and trying to keep busy and uh, hobbies and, and all. But now uh, there have been a lot more uh, uh, from state to state orders for reopening with restrictions uh, uh, but a lot of uh, restaurants are reopening, stores are reopening, and here in the state of Texas, they just gave the go-ahead for some of the sports venues to reopen with with guidelines uh, and all. And the one thing that I noticed right away on uh, on the internet was that the, we're in the baseball season right now. We actually are are a couple of months into the baseball season, and a lot of people are really you know, getting crazy over the fact that maybe they can get in a ballpark again. And so wanted to talk a little bit about how people feel about that, what the stadiums are going to be doing, uh, and and how they're going to, to, you know, kind of reinvent themselves, you know, to keep the social distancing, to make sure that all of the surfaces are, are, are clean and clear. And I, I said to Vaughn, you know, your, your dad's been in, in, involved with sports his whole life, and uh, it might be interesting to hear it from uh, his perspective also. So, uh, again, Larry, thank you very much for joining us from Houston. And, uh, and, and I'll start by asking you, you know, what are your, your thoughts down there? You know, if the Astros uh, open up the doors and start allowing the fans in, are you going to go? Well, Stuart, uh... I've never been in a conundrum like this, and I suspect everybody around the country feels the same way. Uh, we've had so many meetings 
that start off by saying, uh, well, we really don't know where we are. And I suspect uh, we had a board meeting yesterday, Texans. Um, I haven't talked really to the Astros in several days, but we did open the stadium. Um, let me step back a second so uh, viewers and listeners will understand. In Houston, uh, we have a sports authority. Uh, the sports authority sort of uh, oversees all of the stadiums that we recently built, recently being over the last 20 years uh, for football, baseball, basketball, and soccer. Four stadiums are part of the sports authority. We lease those stadiums to the teams. So uh, each one has a bit of a different lease, but generally speaking, uh, they're governed by whatever our rules are as, uh, as tenants. Uh, so we talk with them continually. Uh, now let's look at baseball because it's around the corner or it's been on the corner for a while. Uh, we opened the stadium for those Astros that had had injuries, needed to work out, needed to get physical therapy, and the staff that's involved with that. That's the only people that we've allowed at Minute Maid Park. Now, we are probably, uh, at least this is the intention, again, as I said, the conundrum is upon us, but we intend to have players in uh, starting on the 1st of June. Now, there are certain players in there, I suspect. I have not been in the stadium, but those who are getting uh, therapy and those who are getting uh, pre-workouts are doing some things, but we expect to have the Astros in. Now, there's a game plan, or there's several game plans that involve baseball, not only in Houston, but around the country. There, for one time, we were locating or trying to locate all of the games so we could control them all in one facility. Uh, that just didn't go over well. A lot of our players didn't want to be uh, sequestered in either Phoenix or Orlando, wherever it may have been, or Houston. So anyway, what we're looking at right now in baseball is to have probably half a season. Uh, that season may start as soon as they're able to get in, get their 30 days or so of re-preseason. Uh, we had about, about 10 days before we broke camp uh, in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. And the players uh, sort of uh, went their ways. Many came back to Houston. A number stayed in West Palm. So until they get conditioning again, we'll probably get to half of the season. Unless something, a second wave comes in in an interim period that we don't expect. The other uh, arenas and stadiums are open as of, uh, as of this week. That isn't for fans or that isn't for anybody other than the staff to start coming in uh, to do some of their preliminary work. So uh, to answer your question or to answer a question for any fans who are out there, the likelihood of fans being in any of these early games, whether it be soccer, which is early right now, the Astros and the Rockets who are in half of their season, I doubt very much if fans will be allowed in any of our stadiums. Now, that's a long-winded answer to your question, Stuart, but 
there's probably 15 other answers that I could give you. Well, that's why it's such a long answer, I think, because it's so complicated and there are so many unknowns to how we go about this re-entry. And so there's no real, there's no playbook for this, um, so to speak. Uh, there was discussion here in Frisco, the, the minor league team, the Frisco Rough Riders, uh, they supposedly are, uh, uh, were planning on having a homestand next week. Uh, uh, number one, uh, to add insult to injury, it's supposed to rain all every day next week. So it could get washed out. But I haven't seen the definitive statements yet on whether they're going to allow 25% of, of capacity to come in, whether they're going to be uh, uh, assigning seating that's, you know, every other seat or every other row, uh, how how the food uh, vendors are going to be setting up if, in fact, they will. So there's still lots of question marks that go along with this opening. Right. The upside is it's probably opening the doors to the broadcast industry to carry those games uh, live so people can at least sit in the comfort of their homes and, and watch the games as they start to develop and then see what happens uh, as we get further into the season. There are several facets as you start to say, television, radio, concessionaires, our staff, uh, the stadium crew. Uh, there are so many pieces to this puzzle once you start a ball game or once you start a season. So it's hard, and and we as a sports authority, uh, although we're we're doing a lot of other things to make sure that this doesn't happen, is we have additional liability, which I haven't, I didn't do the lease at Minute Maid, which was Enron Field when we did the lease, but I've done all of the other leases, and I'm not sure that an insurance company would say this pandemic fits anything that we have in our uh, insurance liability. Uh, I, I suspect we could make a case for it. But uh, what football has said, of course, because of the size of the stadiums, they think they can distance people pretty easily. That, I'm sure, is going to be difficult if we allow 72,000 people to come in and stand in a line in a, con uh, a concessionaire's uh, counter. So when you examine all of the little pieces uh, all of the people who are coming in to handle the parking, uh, to handle whatever shuttle you're doing from parking lots, there, are, uh, there, there's a lot of questions to be answered. If if Frisco does open their season, I suspect it'll be with a very very small amount of staff and fans. Uh, but I'm I'm I, I, on the board. I'm probably one of the advocates for extending this as long as we possibly can. TV doesn't like to hear that. Fans don't like to hear that. But I, I think one of the one of the pitfalls that we face across the country in college sports, as well as the pros and in high school, is if someone does die, if someone is in fact infected, and reasonably so, by attending uh, a uh, a ball game, whatever game it may be, I don't know how we answer. I, I really I. I as a family member, you, Stuart, and Vaughn, as family, uh, uh, as families, uh, there's no explanation. You know, I love, I love to watch every sport I can. I'm a, 
I'm a sport nut, but we're in a predicament here that the other, in my opinion, far outweighs of the watching of a game. If yeah. we can get TV, if we can get radio, uh, I'm all for that for a while. Now, don't let my owners hear me. Well, you know, this you're you're absolutely yeah. right. In fact, I happened to tune in over the weekend. Uh, there was a uh, uh, a uh, the Darlington, uh, I think Darlington 400 road race, uh, and all was run on the on the on the track in a stadium, and all there were no fans in 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 the stands. So, I mean, the the as far as the drivers were concerned, it was it was an event. They were concentrating just on on their job anyway. The pit crews were were the only other people that were there, uh, but they still did it, and I'm sure that they had you know thousands and thousands of people that were watching watching it on television. Uh, uh, Larry, you mentioned earlier, seventy two thousand in a stadium. If they go by the the state guidelines of allowing twenty five percent, I mean that's eighteen thousand fans they would allow allow into the stadium, and even with social distancing. There's going to be this mingling, this interaction with 18,000 people, and the risk uh, factor now elevates of some somebody passing along something or catching something. Another thing I didn't mention earlier, and it, and it is a problem for us, and not necessarily for the sports authority, but for the owners. And I I jested when I said don't tell the owners, uh, kind of my position, but we've got ticket refunds. Uh, we've got ways to handle those who are either going to be part of that 18,000 or in the smaller venues, a part of a thousand or 5,000. It's, it's an awkward position to put our ticket people in. I recognize that every team is losing millions of dollars, obviously, if the season doesn't come off. It's a, it's a horrible predicament for them to be in. But the safety of this whole conundrum, in my opinion, wears very heavy. Yeah, Dad, you bring up an interesting point because you know that obviously Phil has been. Well, first of all, I think it's a different scenario each with um, when you look at each individual sport. Football is a totally different ball game. Baseball, soccer, indoor basketball. You know, I think when we speak of each individual sport. We're going to have different opinions and different logistics to discuss. In football, for example, you just referred to season ticket holders. Phil happens to be a ticket holder, as is our good friend and neighbor, Steve Koch. Well, they were informed that quite possibly it might get to a point where they're selected, who gets to go to whatever game. Well, that kind of takes a lot of the fun out of it. My guys have been tailgating together as neighbors and friends for years. And uh, I don't know that they would choose to even go to that particular game if they weren't selected to go at the same time. You know, that's a lot of the fun. A lot of people have these tickets together in groups. And if they're selected individually and kind of randomly, and I know that that's an insignificant concern, but, you know, if you're paying a lot of money for your tickets, you know, you want to be able to go to the games that you want to be able to go to um, or that you want to go to. So I know that that's one thing that that is concerning to them. And but I, I agree, Dad, with you. I don't know that we should all rush back into the stadiums um, at whatever capacity. I also think that for the most part, people will agree with that. And I don't think that I think fear is going to keep a lot of people out of the stadiums. 
I'd love to see sports get get going again, but watch it from the comforts of your own home. Well, if schools don't open until, let's say, mid to late August, which is what seems to be the accepted proposal right now, children not really in school, uh, should we open up stadiums for them uh, to access? Because that's what families do. They take their children to uh, to baseball games. Is it safe? Uh, we, we just don't know. Right. We're going to do everything we can to clean after every activity, of course. And don't forget, our stadiums don't only, uh, only uh, conduct events of football, baseball, basketball. There's concerts. There's a number of other activities that come into these uh, venues. So we, as, as either landlords or you as a tenant, need to be conscious that you may not be the only person in there over a week's time or the only group in there. So there's, there's a lot of facets that we need to look at before we just open this up right. and, put, and put anybody at risk, uh, certainly the owners, ourselves, uh, and most importantly, the fans. I played for, uh, baseball in, in the minors. I, I know it's hard to even think about playing a game without any, stand, any people in the stands. The noise factor, the cheering, uh, it's just part of our fabric, but it, it may be for a while till we have a, an accepted vaccine. It may very well be what our games look like. And that's the one thing that kind of confuses me is because what would be the right time? Because, you know, even when, and if we get the vaccine and, and have some medication that can help treat or, or soften the symptoms or whatever, still there's a chance that you can go obviously and, 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 and get the virus. I mean, so a lot of this moving forward, in my opinion, is going to be kind of swim at your own risk. When you feel comfortable, when we're allowed to, you know, re-enter as fans, a lot of it, you know, some people might never go back to a stadium. Um, you know, or, or if they, you know, or the people who are just willing to take a chance because there's always still a chance that you're going to get it moving forward. So I don't know. I mean, what's what's the green light? What will determine the green light? I certainly don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'm sure people who are in the nursing home business, who are in the assisted living uh, facility business all over the country are wrestling with this question as well. well sure. Do our patrons come back? Do the fans come back to the stadiums? Do the uh, senior citizens uh, who flock to these nursing homes by need, do they come, families allow them back? Do we allow children to come back in with school out? There, there are so many facets. I, I need to add, uh, and this would be of interest to Stuart and others, our stadiums uh, in Houston, uh, not like a lot of other stadiums around the country, we're financed uh, with hotel occupancy taxes and rental car taxes. So our taxpayers here are really not on the hook, but we live with tourists. And so activities coming into the city, conventions, conferences, uh, meetings of any nature, uh, they fill hotel rooms, they rent cars, and that's how we finance our bonds. So we're in the midst right now of trying to determine this week, in fact, we have a couple meetings about 
refinancing our debt. Now, the city of Houston and Harris County did a marvelous job when they created this sports authority. I say that with some bias, but 22 years ago when this was created, it offered an opportunity for us, as you may or may not rem remember, the Oilers left town because we were not able to build them a new stadium. The dome was uh, was was badly in near, near need of repair. So the sports authority came on the scene. A lot of people felt, well, this will never work. You'll never have enough revenues. But we've been very successful up until this past three months. And our bonds were downgraded. And we're now in the process of, of trying to look at refinancing. We have plenty of, well, not plenty of, but we have sufficient monies uh, to pay our debt at least through this year and probably into next year. But we need to make some changes if we, in fact, have a, uh, a need. A vaccine's not on the, uh, on the scene, and we have a need to go into another year. So it, it is a problem on a lot, of, uh, a lot of different levels, not only the owners who are losing money, and who knows, uh, a lot of the coaches, of course, have given up some of their income, as, uh, as have a number of the players. So it, it's a... It's a conundrum. I mean, I, I don't mean to throw that number out, but it, it hits me every morning. So, Sure, yeah, and it's, and it's a ripple effect, like you said earlier. Uh, you know, when, when you mentioned the hotels are empty, that means the restaurants are, are, are empty. Uh, you know, the rental car business, the airports are, are, are empty. People are not coming in or out for, for you know, uh, uh, to take advantage of all the things that these have to offer. So everybody is has to reassess. Uh, and the difficult part is uh, you always like to kind of have a, 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 a plan. What's my, what's my six-month plan, my one-year, my five-year plan? This thing is just throwing a wrench into any speculation of where any businesses are going to be in the near or distant future. Uh, we all have to roll with it. That's that's why, you know, the senior population who very often are the fans that are in the stands, they may still be reluctant, even though they may open it up and say the season ticket holders and all, they, they get first choice of coming back. Well, a lot of those are going to be the older people, and they may say, I'm not ready to go. So, again, that adds another little d dimension to it. We're all going to have to say, how much of a risk am I willing to take right. to, to support this? And that's why I'm really in favor of seeing how much of the media can get back involved. So that if we have to watch a road race or a football game or a basketball game or a baseball game from home, uh, fire up the grill and cook some dogs and get some cold beer and, and attend a game that way until you feel it's safe enough to go back into the physical location to do it. We had a, we had a meeting yesterday, a board me a Texans board meeting on our bowl game, the Texas bowl. And we run into now a um, relationship with colleges. So we have college games that will be played possibly uh, in, in any of our stadiums without schools being in session. Now, we hope that's not the case. It'll, it looks like, for example, today, University of Houston announced 
they're going to start their practices June 1st, or at least allow uh, students to come back and use the facilities. So we as a sports authority and we as a nation have to look at those events that may be housed in your stadiums around the country. Uh, I noticed uh, Ohio State uh, this morning considering about moving their first game, which is early September. The early game in our stadium, uh, which is called game day, is late August. So it's around the corner, and we've got to make a decision. Right. Or the commissioner of that of those leagues needs to make a decision. Are they going to be able to play? You talk about uh, advance notice. We we do a year in advance the events that we have in our in our arenas in our stadiums. We've canceled so many. We just this week canceled the World Transplant Games with countries from all over the na nation who have already we've already spent a great deal of time money on, and they've spent money making reservations and doing a lot of things in advance of the event. So it's a, um, I won't say it again, but it is a, a difficult call for anybody to make. Now, Larry, you say that, that Houston, Houston has this sports authority. Are there other major cities around the country that also operate with a sports authority similar to yours? Um, there are a lot of sports authorities around the country. Um, ours, as I said, is about, about 22 years old. There are others that have been in place longer than we have, but most of them are, are financed with revenues, uh, owners, uh, uh, and, and our owners are contributors to our debt as well. Uh, each, each of the lessors has paid a significant amount of money when the stadiums were built. In fact, when Bob McNair uh, got the franchise back in the NFL, uh, Bob did a marvelous job. We went to Atlanta and uh, spoke with the NFL, and we were fortunate to get that, uh, what amounted to the new Texans. Uh, but uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would venture to say that most of the cities that do have sports authorities that govern all of their sports, pro sports, are not financed like we are. We're a relatively um, unique uh, kind of uh, authority. We do a lot of marketing. Uh, we do a lot of outside events in our stadiums. It's a, it is a way that we uh, enhance the uh, hotels and uh, restaurants and uh, all the activities that are important to our, uh, our hospitality industry in Houston. Uh, Dallas has a uh, has a group as well, and um, they have, of course, the Cotton Bowl and things that you know that uh, that they um, uh, uh, are uh, involved with. So there's a lot. Uh, I don't know how many to be exact. We have a very small staff. We have an executive director uh, slash CEO, and um, uh, she has done an absolutely marvelous job here. Uh, in the time she's been here over the last several years. And she has a small staff of about uh, seven permanent and about four uh, part-time, and we have some interns. So what we do here, uh, in comparison to a lot of other cities that I've been to, we do it with a very small staff. And Dan, I have a question. Under the umbrella of the Houston Sports Association, uh, do all sports organizations have to be, uh, like, 
under those guidelines? Do they, is there any autonomy across the board or whatever guidelines and you know procedures and decisions that are made under that umbrella? They, that has to be consistent across the board. So if one stadium makes a decision to handle reentry one way, will those rules and guidelines cross over amongst all the organizations? No, uh, okay. we, we as ever, every other city, uh, we're governed by uh, Harris County uh, and the city of Houston. Uh, both entities um, nominate and, and have board members who serve uh, on their behalf. So the Sports Authority Board of Directors uh, is answerable to the county and to the city of Houston. We would have certain requirements that we would be governed by. Indianapolis may have a, no, a totally different set of circumstances, as does Seattle and New York City. So they'd all be governed by their local entities. But like, like if the Texans make a certain decision in terms of logistics, how they're going to re-enter with the Astros and the Rockets and everybody have to fall under the do the same, follow the same procedures or can they each do their own, you know? No, they're, they're, they'll be governed. They'll be governed by whatever we uh, uh, set as the requirements to use the facilities. Uh, the Astros uh, uh, own the state uh, are, are the lessors of Minute Maid Park. And if there were some conditions that the county and the city had put on the stadium, uh, then the Astros would have to adhere to that. And the same would be true uh, at, at uh, NRG Stadium for football, whatever the county had uh, set aside or the city. In, the, in our NRG, it would be the county. And the same uh, at Toyota and, and at, uh, at the soccer stadium, uh, BBVA. So... The local entities, the local governing bodies would dictate what uh, what access fans would have to the stadiums. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, if the entities themselves would have some uh, reasons to change uh, their agreements with their concessionaires, that, that could be something outside of that uh, because most of the contracts are with the owners. Uh, yeah. But okay. it's... Pretty well governed, and rightly so, in my opinion, by the local governments, by what we do in the stadium. And don't you think across the country, like I think, Stuart, you said it a minute ago, kind of a ripple effect, you know, don't you think what one organization does and as as, as different industries uh, start making different decisions, that people will kind of be looking at what they're doing and how it's working? And don't you think that they will kind of, they'll, they'll kind of feed off of each other and you know, just kind of look to see what, what they're doing in different states and whatnot. Well, you know, as you've heard like, on, on all of the, I'm sorry, excuse me. No, go ahead. What you've heard on all of the uh, president's uh, committee uh, presentations every day, every geographical area is different. It's one right. of the problems that uh, playing someone like Oregon uh, in Columbus, Ohio, there are two different geographical areas, two uh, or in New York City where the virus had hit so heavily. I mean, for the Astros to make some decisions on playing games here in Houston may be very, very different from what their needs are in New York for the Yankees and the Mets. So it's it, you, you couldn't draw a line and say, although it, I, I think to the extent that in college, 
and to the to some extent in the pros, they're trying to get each conference to agree uh, with the same terms of uh, of regulations, so that one team is not playing at at a hindrance to the other team that may have been practicing for 30 days. So to the extent the conferences can do that, they're they're doing it. Uh, but no, I, I I couldn't answer your question that. Uh, they they will watch everybody. They'll see what they're doing in terms of uh, of safety and so on in the stadiums. But they'll vary uh, from southwest to northeast to to the deep south. It's just the way it is. This is a virus that right. has has attacked in a lot of different ways. Well, it's yep, interesting exactly right. to be because some some venues are indoors and some are outdoors. Uh, as you you mentioned earlier, the we, one, one of the facts from the virus was that it, it cannot stand up in warm temperatures. Well, that means that some of those stadiums that are in the southern part of the states, uh, when we get to July and August and to our temperatures soar up to 100 or more, there is less likelihood for the spread of the virus. But how do you have rules for that part of the country that the, the stadiums that are up in Detroit and, and uh, you know, in the upper areas of the country, now they are open air, but their temperatures are not as high. So they may be a little more susceptible. Uh, an indoor facility, how is that going to be affected as opposed to an undomed facility? Uh, so it's got to be very difficult to, to try and come up with a decision to benefit everyone. You have to take so many factors into consideration, and what factors you come up with this week could change next week or the yeah. week after. If we if we relax some of these rules and regulations, and all of a sudden there's a spike in new uh, cases of the virus, now you've got to go back and undo what you've just done. Right. Yeah, I think um, um, again, I'm I'm certainly far from a physician, and I would be the last to try to uh, contest whatever uh, they're saying. I think we'd have to adhere, as I said early on, to what are the safety factors for all of our staffs, our players, and our fans. And then hopefully this will be a, a, a temporary, when I say temporary, maybe it'll only be a, a virus of a year or two that we'll have to deal with, but nobody knows uh, as we started on. Um, I, I just don't know the answer to that. I just think we have to be cautious. Yeah. Are you are you seeing down in Houston uh, more more people outdoors in parks uh, and and in restaurants that have outdoor uh, seating? Uh, are there there are more people that are getting out because they just have cabin fever or because they have this feeling that maybe we're on the downside of this epidemic? Yeah, I think uh, we opened our parks here uh, in the city uh, a couple weeks ago and the county uh, also a little over, well, almost two weeks ago. Uh, yes, I, uh, I've i been in a high-rise building looking out at a couple parks. Uh, it appears to me, although my, my Barbara and I, uh, my wife and I have, have been hunkered down like everybody else, Stuart, so we haven't been out a lot. We've, our, our country, our club, only opened the fitness center last week. So I've been walking and Barbara's been exercising here at home, uh, just walking out in our neighborhood. 
I, I see a few more people in the neighborhood and it appears, like I said, in the parks, there were more people. Uh, I, I, I know there are a lot of my friends have been playing golf uh, throughout this period. I, I, I have not, but uh, tennis said um, we, we, in the summer, we live in North Carolina and the mountains and uh, our tennis and golf and those activities, uh, lake, lake activities, just started a, about 10 days ago. And I, I, I suspect a lot of people are, are doing it there. If there's one sport that seems to be in a little bit better shape than, than others, it seems to be golf. Because uh, uh, from what I understand, uh, the golf courses allow for, for uh, sufficient separation. And what they've done is instead of uh, allowing two people per golf cart, it's just one per golf cart. So that keeps that social distancing. But golf is a game that generally has sufficient distancing between the players anyway. Uh, well, it's allowed uh, in our, uh, at our golf course, at both golf courses, uh, the use of go golf carts up until about two weeks ago it was purely walking. Uh, but the rule is that you have one driver and uh, only two bags and, and you keep your distancing and, uh, they uh, again no picking up balls and uh, other than your uh, ball a lot of uh, right a lot of specifics for for the golfers who are out there but I I do know there are a lot of folks playing, uh, playing a lot of tennis and a lot of tennis is back I have a good friend who just started back to her tennis league and there there are a lot of rules um, specifically related to the balls dad um, you know you can't you, you can't touch somebody else's. You have to pick up only if it is somebody else's, you have to kick it away. You can't. Touch. I mean, certain things that it, it seems a little bit extreme, but everybody's just trying to be extra cautious right now as we take the first couple steps back in. And then I think yeah. people will probably lighten up a little bit as they become more comfortable and the fear, you know, is not as great. Um, but I, I know here in Frisco, Stuart, you were asking about just people getting out. I went over to the star, which is where the Dallas Cowboys practice and the gym has reopened, uh, which I have, I have select, I've, uh, you know, I'm not ready to go back to the gym, but that's just my personal. And I think a lot of people will probably look at re-entering in terms of how they feel. And I don't want to go back to the gym quite yet, but I have friends who have been back and there are certain, you know, restrictions and new guidelines that they have to follow. You can only be in a certain area for a certain period of time. Once you leave, they spray it down. It's very strict, whatnot. But I was at the star. I drove through, and there were people running around on the practice field, you know, how they allow the public to just kind of mill about. And right. uh, it it looked pretty active out there. Um, and to what you were saying earlier, Stuart, I don't know if it's because people have cabin fever or people have – are just thinking that we're, you know, we, we can do this now, think that the numbers are, but I think it's a combination. Um, and, and I just think it's a combination of people just kind of wanting to, to just go try, go, go take the baby, go take their little baby steps um, out back into the world. Now, you, when you said that you were over at the, at the star and you know, roughly what percentage of the people that you saw running around there were wearing any kind of face covers. Hardly anybody. Yeah. Hardly anybody. I'm, I'm finding that now too when I even go into the grocery stores. 
uh, when Lauren and I go, it's generally the minute that they open the store, get in there, do the shopping and get out of the store before it fills with people. Because I'm, I'm finding that a lot more people, and it, it's probably, it may be a misconception. A lot of people are thinking we're on the downside of this. So it's okay to go into the store and you don't need to be covered. Yeah. And you need the, the, the sanitation uh, uh, sprays and, and wipe down the carts uh, and all. You know, I would caution people not to relax their guard too soon. Uh, right. It, 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 we don't. We just don't know how susceptible uh, we are in how many different ways yet. So, err on the err on the side of caution. Well, I know my daughter is not going to like to hear this, but uh, her mother and I went out to dinner last night for the first time. Uh, we ate out on a patio, and uh, we're going to do that again Saturday evening. We were well away from anybody, uh, and the uh, servers were uh, masked and uh, gloved, and uh, and were washing tables with uh, sanit disinfectant sanitizer. I, I was comfortable. I think Barbara was as well. Well, there are. That I'm not. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I've I've seen even here uh, restaurants a lot of outdoor seating going on, and I even saw people through the glass windows eating inside every other table. Um, it's it's happening. I mean, people are going back out there, and I'm okay with that. Um, I mean, I think I think right now the restaurants are being very responsible, and I. They're trying to make people feel comfortable. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I think I'm I'm okay with the, I have not been out to eat yet, but I did go to my book club and we sat in the backyard. And uh, it was funny though, because when we all first saw each other after a couple months, people were saying, are you hugging? Do you want to hug? Yes, I'm hugging. Okay. No, I'm not hugging. Okay. Everybody's kind of got, you know, it's like a new social etiquette. <laughs> Well, yeah, your, sister, your sister, as you know, lives in a cul-de-sac, and for the last four, three or four weeks on Sundays, they've been putting chairs out about 10 yards apart and having their wine at 5 o'clock or whatever time it's been. It's, and I think it's been at least a way yeah. for her four neighbors in this cul-de-sac to continue to have some contact. It's looked good. I've watched them. Uh, Absolutely, and I think that's so, it's, that's so important. And we've been doing that since the very beginning. You know, in our backyard, we have an alley, and uh, we pull our chairs to the ends of the driveways, and uh, we call it. It's we call it now instead of happy hour, we call it alley hour. And so, alley if anybody hour. is that, if anybody's up for an alley hour, we'll get out there and do an alley hour. But yeah, I mean, the whole outdoor thing makes me feel a little better. I've not yet been into a restaurant, but I'm not opposed to going into a restaurant right now. I would like to see certain steps or certain new practices in place. Like, I'd like them to be wearing a mask. Um, somebody went to a restaurant here in Dallas, a friend of mine, and their server was not wearing a mask. That I would like to, ha I would like my server to be wearing a mask. Just yeah. a peace of mind. I know people out there were, were conflicted on how effective masks are. I, I know that. But just for a little bit of peace of mind, it'd be nice to have my server wearing a mask. Well, that's why I threw that question out earlier, uh, because 
uh, that, among our, our circle of friends, uh, we're sharing a lot of that information. If somebody says, well, yeah, we went to this restaurant and they were didn't seem to be taking all the precautions that they should, well, I'm not as apt to go to that restaurant. I will go to a restaurant like, like you did where they said that, yes, everybody was taking care of business. That's up to the management of the restaurant. Yeah. If they want to stay in business, they've got to make sure that they up their game as far as protecting their clients and protecting their own staff. Uh, so, and that's, that's the decision that we as, as customers have to make too is, is, you know, what we're going to do and how far we're willing to go, uh, in getting back into this, into this mainstream. Right. So dad, you felt comfortable where you, the restaurant where you were eating? Yes. Uh, I, I, I think I can speak for mother as well. Uh, I think we were, we were generally isolated the, the restaurant inside was, it's a large restaurant, was, uh, was sparsely uh, occupied. There were maybe a dozen or so, maybe I didn't count, but there weren't many people inside. And out on the terrace, there were probably, as I said, we were at least five yards away from the next table. And they had all of the tables marked with an X uh, where right. you couldn't fit. So I was... And I, and our server was uh, was excellent, and so uh, I was comfortable. I would do it again. Now we're we're going to the club Saturday night, and uh, hopefully the experience will be the same. I I feel for the restaurants. Uh, our owner of the Rockets, the basketball, uh, met with President Trump Monday uh, to speak on behalf. He owns about 500 restaurants uh, around the country. Uh, he was speaking on behalf of his staffs. He doesn't want to completely lose people all around the country that he can't get back into his restaurants. And it's been over two months now that virtually they've been uh, sequestered. So um, I feel for the restaurants and for the hotels and for the airlines. I mean, it's just a, a, a hospitality industry that's just suffered so dramatically. More so yeah, than... Well one kind of feeds off of the other. Right. But, well, uh, we'll get on the other side of this guys. We, we will. Yes. And, and, and again, I think, I think the one message that I think we all can, can share with the audience is that, you know, there's no, there's no hard set pattern of what you should do. You have to make up your own mind. If you feel comfortable going to Costco or you feel comfortable going to restaurants or you want to go into a stadium and all, that's your decision. Make sure that you are well prepared for it. Take your mask. Uh, nobody's going to criticize you if you're going to sit in the stands with a mask on. And uh, make sure that you've got your hand sanitizer and that wherever you go uh, into the restrooms or into the, the food service areas, that you are taking care of yourself as well as making sure that they are taking care of, of the people too. That's the best way we can get through, through it. Whether we will ever get back to actually greeting each other with hugs and handshakes, that remains to be seen. We may be bumping elbows and fists for a while, <laughs> but if that's what it means, then then we'll do it. Right. We went for a pedicure, Barb, uh, for a pedicure last uh, late yesterday afternoon. Uh, they took your temperature uh, before you went in. Uh, they had the hand, hand sanitizing. Uh, spray there. You had to wash your hands. 
uh, before you signed in uh, and you had to do the same going out. Yeah. Uh, so, and they were in masks and gloved and, uh, and they had two people going around cleaning the chairs and sanitizing everything that might reasonably be touched. So I think people are still conscious of it. I'm like you, Stuart. I hope that they don't uh, become um, complacent. That, that could be our worst right. enemy right now, thinking everything is okay. Yeah, we just we, we have to learn. This is a learning experience. It's a learning experience for an entire nation uh, and world. And uh, we're all going to look back on this 20 years later and talk about, you know, do you remember when we were all sequestered in our homes and yeah. dealt with it? So, well, yeah. we got we got to run on, uh, and all I I I thank you, Larry, for taking the time to be with us and giving us uh, this perspective, especially from the sports angle and what what you and the authority are doing down there in Houston. Keep up the great work, uh, and all Vaughn, always always a pleasure spending the the Friday mornings with you, and uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. It's Memorial Weekend, and I just ask everyone, please. Take a few moments over the weekend to remember what Memorial Day is all about. Remember those that we've lost in our families. Remember those we have lost on our battlefields. And certainly remember the nearly 100,000 souls that have perished in the last six months because of this epidemic. So that's, that's what Memorial Weekend is all about. We'll see you here again next week. Again, thank you, Vaughn. And thank Thanks, you, Stuart. Our Thanks, best Dad. to Barbara. Stuart, I love your heart. I love your heart. <laughs> I love your heart, too. Show. I listen to it every week. Thank you very, very much. I, I very much appreciate it. You all go out and make it a great day. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.